Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast, your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. Likewise, welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. We have a lot of shows. We have the interview uh, podcast that Jeff does. We have the 411 on wrestling with Larry Zonka and usually Jeremy Lambert, occasionally Steve Cook. And, of course, this show. And, I don't know, maybe others coming in the future. I don't know all the plans. Uh, however you arrived at us, thank you for your support. Please subscribe, whatever your preferred methodology. If you have some app I'm unaware of, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. So plenty of avenues to get all this entertaining goodness. Yeah, uh, we are recording this on Sunday, November the 10th, for those potentially... Listening in the future who might wonder what we're talking about it as new information becomes available. AEW Full Gear just happened. Dr. Sleep bombed at the box office. And there was a UFC card with, uh, with Zabit coming out on top. Yeah, you, uh, what you hear there is the dulcet tones of my regular partner in crime, Jeff Harris, who's back with us. Uh, first up, we'll be talking about, again, the Russia card, which existed uh we'll be talking about this coming saturday's event in sao paulo which you know sneakily not a bad card for uh, you know a somewhat run-of-the-mill forgettable under-promoted espn plus show and then whatever news we tend to think up i have a few things here but nothing it was a pretty quiet week all things considered uh jeff let's go ahead and start with uh UFC on ESPN Plus 21, the UFC's event in Moscow. Uh, main event, which is the only fight worth digging a tremendous amount into. He's uh, going places, I think. Yeah, he pretty clearly is. I'm not uh, sure he's going to be like the, the, the featherweight Habib, but he's well uh, on his way. He, he's, he's not even close hard, to. I mean, this was, a, this was really the main... Thing going for this card, uh, really. Yeah, Zabit defeats Calvin Cater via unanimous decision, 29-28 across the boards. Uh, this was only a three-round fight because it got bumped to main event status on very late notice. Uh, very, very fortunately for Zabit, I think, given how this fight played out. Because the original main event was uh, Cigano, Junior Dos Santos, Versus Alexander Volkov, that got switched at the last minute because of Junior's injury to Volkov versus Greg Hardy, and so as a result, we have we had Magomed Sharipov versus Calvin Cater, three rounds, win for Zabit, dominant win. I think Zabit's on his. I think he could be fighting for the title within the next year and a half or so. They're probably going to push that. Um. I don't like his chances at the moment. Against Max Holloway, no, but... I don't like his chances against Jose Aldo or Volkanovski or even Brian Ortega, quite frankly. Hmm. Now, on the plus side... He's undefeated in the UFC, though. Yeah, and beat a couple of ham and eggers. I mean, the, Calvin Cater's his best level of opposition. And in cre- look, in credit to him, he won. And he's still Steven, got... Stevens isn't a... I mean, Stevens. You know, not a world beater, but he's not a ham and egg either. 
No, no, I meant the sorry, I meant the others. Yeah, Stevens and I think Cater does still represent his best level of opposition, all things considered. Yeah, probably fair. And look, I'm not complaining about him getting a slightly easier strength of schedule to begin with. I that's not a bad policy to go with. It's just something to pay attention to. Uh, do I, again, do I think he'll be in the title picture? Yeah. There's still a few things I'd like to see develop in his game. One is his cardio. Uh, his basic habit throughout the UF throughout his UFC run is if he can't get a, if he can't force takedowns and he has a lot of takedowns, um, he was credited with just one in this fight, which, uh, is, a testament to Cater's takedown defense, proper footwork and whatnot, because he was normally getting like six per fight, I think, which is a very high uh, average statistically. But if he couldn't force that and just out grapple you, he would do that for the first couple of rounds, win them, and then generally give away the third as he faded. And he gave away the third here as he faded. And while there were improvements you could see throughout the first two rounds, uh, his circling was much less predictable. His kicking game has always been very good. He seemed a lot more uh, refined in this fight. He didn't do a lot of the same just spinny, stupid stuff that he had in previous fights. But he still faded, and he still became susceptible to body shots and pressure as the fight wore on. Um I think if this were a five-round fight, Cater might have got him. But you fight the fight in front of you, and again, credit to him, he won. So, But I do need to see how he actually performs over five rounds, because that's a fairly significant consideration. I need to see how he does against someone who is a... How do I say this? A complete, more modern striker. In that context, because while Cater is a very, very good striker, I don't mean to uh, downplay that at all, the majority of what he does is very boxing-centered. And that only really started to pay dividends as as Zabit's legs stopped being under him, as the fight progressed. Uh, Zabit still has a bit of an issue with power, and maybe there's just nothing really for that. You know, Not everyone's a knockout artist. It's... You learn to live with that. Power is one of those things that's really, really difficult to generate. You can match those guys either, you know? That's true. But a decent enough main event, and the future is incredibly bright for Zabit. Again, that man, when he gets, when he's able to force grappling in particular at the moment, that's where he likes to overwhelm people. He has very, very good takedowns. He has very good back-taking. He has a variety of submission uh, attempts that he can throw at you. He's a handful. He's an absolute... This might seem like I've been down on him. It just I don't mean to be down on him. He's got a very, very bright future. I think he'll be in the title picture. I do believe that's an accurate assessment. That doesn't stop there from being habits and tendencies that we need and questions that we need to have to get answers to. But it also doesn't mean he's some gigantic scrub that is a product of nothing but hype. He's a very, very, very good fighter. He's, he's ranked number five now. Probably he's, a little bit too high, in all maybe, honesty. But 6-0 and in the UFC, hasn't lost since 2013, 18-1. What do you do for his next fight? Uh, do you... Look, I know you're not a big Yair Rodriguez fan, but Rodriguez... No, make that fight. 
I mean, just because Rodriguez is coming off wins over Korean Zombie and Stevens. Um, I think you make that fight. I think you make it five rounds because... Toughest test, but that might not be the toughest test for uh, Zabit. Honestly, I would probably favor him matchup-wise in that fight. A lot of... There's a few uh, contextual things that will determine that. One, we've seen Yair, for better and for worse, maintain his generalized level of output over five rounds. Okay. That man is in phenomenal shape. How how Zabit deals with a guy with that kind of pace over that kind of time is a very, very real question. And it's one that you could ask of him in the uh, Rodriguez fight without putting him at undue risk in other areas. The the other idea, you could put him against the winner of Muikano. No, wait. Muikano doesn't have a fight. No, he lost his last one and seems to be a little bit derailed. See, I like Muikano a lot. I'm not sure I want that for his next fight because he's down 0-2 right now. I think if you wanted to really give Zabit a a real test in many aspects, you give him the winner of the upcoming fight between Ortega and Korean Zombie. Not the worst idea either. And does uh, Jose Aldo have his next fight lined up? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, Jose Aldo would definitely be a test, but do, but does Aldo even want that fight? Is Aldo even going to be fighting? Is he going to continue fighting at featherweight? No, no, Aldo. Yeah, no, no. Oh, no, Aldo does have his next fight. My mistake. He's fighting Marlon Marais at bantamweight, remember? Fighting freaking at bantamweight. Well, hell. Uh, damn. Damn, now. Aldo's really moving down. Damn for for one fight at a bare minimum. <sighs> so, I think the best idea right now, I mean, is Yair Rodriguez. And honestly, I'm, I'm picking Zabit to win that fight. Yeah, I, I mean, people forget, but Zabit does train a lot with uh, Frankie Edgar. And my giant criticism of Rodriguez over his last couple of fights... He has done nothing to address the issues that Frankie Edgar exploited. I think Zabit could pretty easily maul him if he's able to stay disciplined about it. Uh, the, um, the, the winner of Ortega Zombie wouldn't be a terrible idea either. I'd be fine with that. Um, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he's in the title picture either coming up soon. So, Almost certainly. I mean... Again, you know, somewhat jokes about his level of opposition aside, he's won six in a row, and that's not nothing. <laughs> so, he reminds me so much of Habib. I'm a little curious as to why he does, but... Well, kind of just that that, that really tough, grinding Dagestani, you know? Uh, Zabit's style is so is wildly, wildly different from Khabib's. Okay, fair enough. I mean, Zabit can wrestle, but if you look at what he does the majority of the time, it's, it's a, again, there's a lot of significantly different choices he makes stylistically. Habib, Habib can strike, too. He's not just, he's, he's been able to branch out outside of the wrestling ring. A little, but Zabit also comes from a, like, I, they don't make this up when they say he comes from a kung fu tradition. That that was his first martial art was like straight up Shaolin Kung Fu and Wushu Sanda. 
Kind of like Roy Nelson. Oh, not even close. That's a bad joke. No, no, there's... I've pimped this particular video on the subject before. I think it's still up. Uh, the guy, the uh, gentleman, I believe, in question cycles some of his videos on occasion. But uh, the YouTube channel Mixed Molly Whoppery has a really good video on Zabit called, I believe it's uh, The Shaolin Master of Dagestan. That details the trainer who runs the... A little bit. It talks about Zabit. It talks about uh, Muslim Salikov, who comes from the, that same school. But uh, the guy, I forget the gentleman's name, so I apologize. But the guy who ru runs like a genuine uh, boarding school for uh, kung fu competition. He has a master. He has a master of sport in the discipline. Okay. So, so again, Zabit has a very, very different style in many respects, but he can't again the fact that he's forced a lot of grappling is a credit to him for a guy who started again more with the kind of stri flashier striking elements which he still employs he's more of a he's more of a grappler though he doesn't have any knockouts uh, he he either. tends to most of his finishes tend to be grappling related right but yep. most of his like most of his time is spent on the feet i think i'll be looking forward to his next fight yeah, I want to see him take a good level, a good step up, and I want to see him over five rounds. I think that's a big, big question that needs to be addressed prior to him fighting for the title. What happened with the latest Greg Hardy disaster? Uh, well, our co-main event, Alexander Volkov defeats Greg Hardy via unanimous decision, 30-27 across the, the boards. Alexander Volkov fought very risk-averse, which I understand. Because heavyweight MMA is wildly unpredictable as a general rule. And Greg Hardy has power and is training with a really good team. Volkov, superior technician, just exploited that over all three rounds, kept peppering Hardy with kicks to the body and head, good straight jab, avoided any potential trouble, uh, Hardy seemed to have injured his right hand or wrist in the first round and never really threw the right hand again. Given the short notice change of opponents and everything that Volkov stood to lose if he lost this fight, everything about his performance is entirely understandable. I hope they just rebooked him in Dos Santos. He hasn't fought in over a year, and his last fight was that embarrassing loss to Derek Lewis. Oh, that was so sad. I, that's one of the few uh, – I watched that fight live because I was covering it. That's one of the few finishes that actively made me angry. I wanted to smack Volkov. Like, why would you throw away all of that work like that for no reason? Not the first time Lewis has done that to an opponent, though. If it was just another stereotypical Lewis comeback after, you know, kind of marginally dropping some rounds or whatnot, I might not have been annoyed – but Volkov had hung a couple of 10-8s on Lewis and had nearly finished him at least twice. Like, that was, that was such a... He was winning that fight by such a huge margin. And then to just absolutely throw it all away in the space of about 10 seconds for no reason... It's not like Lewis forced him to do anything either. I just don't think Volkov has the highest fight IQ. He does have a loss to check Congo. 
in fairness, that loss to Congo was the fairly typical Czech Congo fare. Um, but this does this does put Volkov in a good position uh, right now because he's in a division that's not very stacked, and he has a win over the former heavyweight champion. Yeah, I kind of hope they rebook Volkov and JDS because I liked that fight when they announced it. I was really hoping it would have it happened. It was the fight I was most looking forward to on this card. Uh, let's see. See what JDS JDS has lost to Ngannou. What did, uh, what is Ngannou doing right now? Uh, complaining that he's not fighting for the belt. Well, yeah. Maybe I don't think. Maybe they'll book him against Ngannou. That fight hasn't happened yet. That fight is very interesting because uh, Volkov is a vastly superior technician, but again, Ngannou is not exactly a scrub and hits really, really hard. Like a freight train. Um, just what, was that, what was that stupid stat they were throwing around about him? Like a Prius traveling at 30 miles an hour? Something like that. Oh, so, God, that was so stupid. Ngannou, you know, Ngannou might sit out. He might sit out, kind of like uh, Stipe did for the next title shot. That wouldn't surprise me. If he wants to stay busy, the fight with Volkov might be there, but we'll see. Yeah, that's an option. And I still like, I and, and like you, I still like the Junior Volkov fight if they want to rebook it down the line. Provided Junior, you know, won't have to be that staff because that that staff was. I don't know if it was staff. I don't think they confirmed that. They just said it was bacterial in nature. Okay, so it could have just been like a, a bacterial infection. Well, again, I think it, from to my admittedly untrained eye, it looked a bit like a staph infection, but you can get localized bacterial infections that are not staphylococcus. All right, so provided he's not sidelined too long for that, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing that fight either. All right, um, I think we're just going to quick hit the rest of this card because... Because, yes, there's nothing else. Um, Danny Roberts knocked out Zalim Imadayev in the second round with a really nice punch. Uh, Imadayev acquitted himself well, but the finishing sequence was nice. Uh, Danny Roberts slipped a somewhat overextended punch, came back with a really nice, tight left hook, and Imadayev proceeded to face plant, and that was all she wrote. Um, Ed Herman defeated Hadis Ibrahimov via unanimous decision, 230-27s, 129-28. This fight sucked. Um, Look, man, Ed Herman has no gas tank, but because he's fighting terrible light heavyweights, neither do they. Uh, Ibrahimov just made so many boneheaded decisions in this fight, I don't know. He will, she should not be in the UFC right now. And I don't say that because he's just the worst fighter in the world. He's not. But he is not ready for the UFC right now. I think that's just demonstrably true at this point. He might be there later. But I, you brought him in at 8-0, and, and he is very, very raw as a fighter. And there is always going to be a level of refinement that you get when you fight at the highest level. Where He doesn't need refinement for the highest level. He needs a lot of baseline work that he should not be trying to get in the UFC. I think he should be fighting elsewhere for another couple of years. He's only 20, like, four, I think. He does not need to be where he is right now. It is, fighting in the UFC at this point is not doing him any favors. 
Um, Anthony Rocco Martin defeated Ramazan Ami via unanimous decision, 130-27, A fairly typical Rocco Martin fight. Um, I don't know how Ramazan Amiv ate all of those calf kicks and just basically no-sold them. He had some gnarly swelling going on on his left calf. Uh, solid win you know, solid win for Martin, who cut one of his better post-fight promos when he uh, announced that his mother was just diagnosed with stage 4 breast cancer and said, you know, Mom, get your bucket list ready. We're going out with a bang. Uh, my... For whatever it's worth, my heart breaks for that situation. Cancer sucks. But got a win that he needed. I mean, again, I thought he was on... I thought he got a raw deal with that Damian Maya fight. I thought that should have been a draw. I don't think he should have... Again, I don't think he should have won based on the scoring criteria. But the fact that only one judge gave him a 10-8 in the third, which he absolutely earned under the scoring criteria was, again, uh, I won't say like the worst thing I've ever seen, but a pretty significant miscarriage of the way the rules are supposed to be adjudicated. Uh, Shamil Gamzatov defeated Clinton Abreu via split decision. This fight sucked, and Gamzatov should not have won. Uh, on Kalayev. Ooh, buddy. Uh, if I might quote uh, John Gooden's call, kicked Dalcha Lungiambula's chin into orbit in the third round with a front kick right up the middle. Um, Kalayev's legit. Uh, his only loss was a was that a uh, literal last second submission to Paul Craig in a fight he was absolutely dominating. Uh, again, Uncle Lev's pretty legit. I'd like to see him take another take a step up in opposition next because he's been fight again. He fought Craig, and the next three guys have been guys whose position in the UFC is somewhat dubious. But he's finished two of them. He finished Marching Procneo. He finished Lungiambula. Uh, I, I think you give him, again, someone who is good next. You know, in all honesty, uh, maybe if Ed Herman's able to have an actual turnaround this time, maybe you give him Ed Herman. That uh, might be a somewhat interesting encounter. Um, Rustam Khabilov moved up to welterweight and defeated Sergei Kandoshko via unanimous decision. Um, Kabilov is a little bit short in terms of his overall frame for welterweight, but he filled out and it seems that he's not as concerned with his cardio management. Uh, he's not an uninteresting addition to the division, all things considered. Carl Robertson defeated Roman Kopilov via rear naked choke in the third round. Not a bad fight in places. Uh, good win for Robertson coming. Uh, he got poked in the eye. Pretty badly, actually, uh, in the third, and then proceeded to just storm Kopilov to the ground and submit him. Uh, credit to him for that. That was that was. Kopilov is uh, ten and three in the UFC. Yeah, I'm curious what he's going to do at welterweight. Um, David Zawada defeated Abu, excuse me, Abubakar Nurmagomedov via triangle choke in the first round. Really nice finishing sequence from Zawada here. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, kind of got the triangle position, used the threat of the choke to attack the triangle armbar, then used the defense Nurmagomedov employed to lock up the, to like really sink in the choke. Uh, again, a good finish from him. Roosevelt Roberts defeated Alexander Yakovlev via unanimous decision, 29-28 across the boards. Uh, good win for Roberts, actually. Yakovlev is a tough out. 
he's been beaten before, but uh, he's he's a tough guy. And Roberts is one of those guys, uh, and a lot of guys have this that are coming up in the sport right now. Their grappling game against the fence is wildly different from their grappling game in open space. In open space, he kind of got controlled a little bit. When he was able to get to the fence, whole different story. Um, Penny Kianzad defeated Jessica Rose Clark via unanimous decision. You're a generic women's bantamweight fight. I don't know what else to say about it. And kicking everything off, Davey Grant defeated Grigori Popov via split decision. Uh, I was okay with 29-28 either way. Uh, I think I scored it. I can't remember who I scored it for live. But not a bad fight, actually. You know, good little bantamweight scrap. Uh, for those of you who care about such things, your fight of the night was officially Zabit versus Cater. Performances for Magomed Ankalaev and David Zavada, both of which I think are well-deserved. Uh, all right, Jeff, any anything you stand out to you about that card? Uh, nope. Any burning desires? Nope. Nothing? Nope. All right. Uh, the Russians did not have a good night for that card. Um, just numerically, statistically speaking, uh, not a good night for the Russians, for the home team. But thank you to everyone who read Be That Live or After the Fact. I know a few of you showed up somewhat earlier in the earlier in the morning or early afternoon to kind of you know dump on Greg Hardy. And you know what, guys? I get it. And if that's what I'm just happy you're reading. So whatever you do to amuse yourselves, whatever you want to say, God bless you for being there. I I know that there's other places you can get that type of content. Greg Hardy's gonna be fighting for the world title in a couple years. If ESPN has their way, he will. <laughs> All right, moving on. This coming Saturday, the UFC is back in Sao Paulo for UFC on ESPN plus 22. Uh, main event, Jan Blahovich, a really underappreciated light heavyweight at the moment, uh, who had a really bad run in the UFC at one point, was one and four over a five-fight stretch. Uh, now is four and one over his last five, actually. Coming off of a really, really high profile knockout win over Luke Rockhold, we'll welcome another former middleweight to the division in the form of Hinaldo Jacare Souza. Uh, Jacare was last seen losing a decision to Jack Hermanson in April of this year. You know, not a bad fight. I. I'm curious to see what Jacare will do up at light heavyweight. And Blahovich is a stern test. He's a good grappler. He's got power. A decent enough fighter out of either stance, although from Southpaw he tends to much heavily, much more heavily favor the left body kick and is a little predictable with it. But his right hook is coming along from that stance as well. So again, not a jacare has got his handful, even if you think he's going to win. And uh, I don't know that five rounds is going to be a factor in this fight. I don't think I don't think this one's going all five. I the way both men fight seem to the way they match up kind of indicate that's a lower probability outcome. It's kind of weird this fight because Blahovic is sort of in the midst of one of the better runs of his career. And he was kind of sort of up and down, like, he was, he was fairly nondescript earlier in his US, UFC career, don't you think? Like Very. He, started, he started 0-2, he went 1-4 in his first five UFC fights. 
Then he had a four. Uh, hang on, he went. I think he went two and five in his first. Two six. and five in his first six, but he was on a one and four skit uh, uh, in five fights. Yeah, because he debuted and stopped Ilu Latifi with a body kick, lost two fights, won one, lost two, and then went on his current run. Okay, but then he lost to Tiago Santos, who fought for the title next, and then he was. That was the- basically a title eliminator. Yeah, and then. He beat Luke Rockhold trying to make a, you know, a go of it at light heavyweight. And now he's fighting another middleweight contender who's trying to make a go of things at light heavyweight. Man, as much as I hate to say it, I think I'm leaning toward Blahovic here. You I know, think I'm, You know how much I love Jacare. I right? do. And... Jacare's moving. He's 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 not young. He's not young. No, he's not. He's. I mean, Blahovic isn't a spring chicken, but he's younger than Jacare right now. And I'm not saying like Jacare isn't. I mean, he he's definitely old for the sport, but he's 40. Let's see. He's 39. He's turning 40 in December, and. I think he. I, I think he's still capable of being competitive, but I definitely feel like he's slowing down. Yeah, I'm sure. Cur- five years ago, he wasn't getting. He wasn't getting. You know, finished or dominated by these type of guys. I'm curious what his strategy will be because we saw a better rest. I think Luke Rockhold's a better wrestler than Jacare in terms of straight wrestling. That fight was mainly contested on the feet, though, as I recall. It was. Well, no, there was a lot of grappling because Rockhold really wanted to get the fight to the ground and Blahovich was just stonewalling him against the fence. Wait, and I'm, I, I mean, I mean for Jacare versus Weidman. Oh, Jacare and Weidman. Yeah. No, that was almost entirely on the feet. Um, that was Jacare's last win. Yeah. I'm leaning toward Blahovich by decision. I think the longer this fight goes, the more it kind of tends to favor Jacare, actually. Interesting. Well, he's fought five rounds before. Uh, a few different times, actually. Yeah. Uh, Blahovich hasn't. So this will be like the first actual five-round main event for Blahovich. Um And here's you see, I'm wondering does does the win over Lock Rockhold even make Blahovich an elite competitor at this point? I'm not so sure. It certainly helps his case. It helps his case, but I mean, is that the is that the singular tipping point? No, probably not. Because it's a win over Luke Rockhold, but it's it's post. It's post-championship Luke Rockhold, who was not as inspiring as he was earlier in his UFC career, or even Strike Force, for that matter. Now, I'm curious how much striking on the feet Jacare will look to do. I think Rockhold uh, kind of undid himself in that fight with Blahovich by trying so hard to get that to the ground for as long as he did. I think he gassed himself out. How good do you think Blahovich is striking in, kickbo- in kickboxing is? Pretty good. Like I, think I, mean, he, I yeah. mean, he was hanging in there with Tiago Santos, and that man is a you know marauding renegade on the feet. 
He did beat Jared Cannonier. Jared Cannonier, granted, was was not the elite competitor he is right now at, at that point. Jimmy uh, Manuel is a pretty good striker, I think. Yeah, he, yeah Manuel had a lot of power. Uh, Jimmy, uh, excuse me, Blahovich also did very well on the feet against Gustafson. Uh, Gustafson won that fight because he was able to get him down and just kind of sure. control and work him over from top position. So, again, Blahovich is good. He's a very, very good fighter, all things considered. Just that in Jacare, let's see, the size advantage here. Blahovich is six foot, 78 inch reach, and what does Jacare have? Um, Jacare is six one and has a 72 inch reach. So. Height advantage isn't that big, but Blahovich is going to have a serious reach advantage here. Um, the question is, can Jacare close the distance? Can he work his grappling in here? Will he be able to take Blahovich down, work his grappling, work his submissions? Sure, one of the deadliest elements of his arsenal. Uh, I'm not so sure. I don't feel great. I don't because. He's moving up in weight. Well, I think if I think if nothing else, he will set up his grappling attempts better than Rockhold did. Rockhold did very, very little to disguise them, whereas Jacare will actually strike with you if the mood strikes him. And I'm rooting for Jacare, but I'm leaning towards Blahovich a little bit. If he gets persuaded into a striking battle, I think I would sort of favor Blahovich because he has he has more length to kind of keep Jacare at bay. And it'll be Jacare who will have to close the distance here. Blahovich is also a little bit trickier with his striking. Jacare is very good, but he's also very, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, he's very kind of meat and potatoes about his striking. I agree. Um, not that it's... And Jacare is powerful, too. He is capable... I wouldn't say he's like a one-hit quitter generally, but he is. His striking is dangerous. In volume, it is very dangerous. Um. Yeah, I'm. Ugh. I want. I really want to pick Jock Ray, but he's let me down a lot in in his some of his recent fights. So yeah, the Hermanson one for me was kind of a big one because. You know, you don't really think of Jacare as being a choke artist, but if you look at the fights that he's lost, they tend to be the big ones. And I'm not sure how big this one is. So, Yoel Romero one was really was was really close. Yeah, I don't. And there were some rounds just with a lot of inactivity. The Whitaker one, I mean, I mean Whitaker just expl- He was he was on a path of dominance at that point. Like the Gastelum fight really disappointed me. Yeah. And 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 the Hermanson fight. Um Gastelum more so. But it's a I think it's a relevant fight. It's a good main event. All thing again, kind of just taken in totality. Uh your co main event. So who are you who are you picking up? I'm leaning towards Blahovich, okay. but I'm I'm rooting for Jacare for whatever okay. that's worth. Okay, fair enough. Shobane, uh, got our boy Shobane is back. Shogun. 
Um, this was supposed to be Mauricio Shogun Hua fighting Sam Alvey. Um, Sam Alvey, however, broke his hand, and in steps the Bear Jew, Paul Craig. Um, I don't know what to expect out of this fight. Okay. I, I mean, Shogun... His last, this is his first fight since December of last year. Yeah, when he bet, when he uh, stopped Tyson Pedro with strikes. In a fight, Tyson Pedro should have won. <laughs> what can you even expect of Shogun at this point, though? I don't know. I I mean, if his knees are somewhat healthy, he has, good, he has a good kicking game. Like, has he been training, and is he ready for this fight, you think? Is I imagine so. Because that's been another issue with him throughout his career. Uh, this is also probably the this is not probably this is the biggest fight of Paul Craig's career, who's had a very kind of up and down UFC run. Now this interview is back in the archives, but I I specifically remember at one point Rafael Cordero told me about Shogun where this was this was back in 2011, the night of the the first Henderson fight. He says he doesn't want to train hard. I don't want to work with him anymore. And it could have been angry, but that was what that was what Rafael Cordero told me on the re- on the record. I might add, um, the night of the Henderson uh, Shogun fight, the first. Well, Cordero's just, uh, also, in fairness, Cordero's uh, understanding of training hard is basically full on wars in the gym every day. Yeah. So. Uh, look again. Shogun's motivation and work ethic has been—it's been kind of a cloud over his head at different points throughout his career. Nonetheless, ha- has had a very good, successful career. He's probably the third best light heavyweight ever. You know, he didn't—he didn't have those moments where he—you know—he never had a long title run, but. When you look at who he's fought, who he's beaten throughout his career, he's done very well for himself. And he's in his last five, he's he's four and one. He is. He's four and one in his last five, including inclu- including wins over Corey Henderson. Corey, they can't match my pace, Anderson. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Corey. So, I mean that that was almost four years ago at this point. So it's however much. Stocking want to put in that? It, it was kind of a bad decision, anyway. I don't see Shogun making another title run, but I don't. I don't know. Like I'm, I don't know what he wants out of his career. Like, is he fighting just because he likes fighting and he wants to be a fighter, or does does he think he's making another run at the title? I don't know. That's a very very interesting question. Uh, I'm picking him here, but I'm 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 mainly picking him here because I haven't really I could see Craig getting like the not like you know the knockout here because it is an older declining Shogun, and also we never know what Shogun is going to show up, so you have to take that into account. But Craig is like. He's 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 twelve and four, and he has four all four losses in the UFC. He only he's three and four. He's excuse me four and four in the UFC. His 
like they're giving they're basically giving this is this is meant to be a winning fight for Shogun. This is Shogun's fight to lose. Uh, again, this was originally supposed to be Sam Alvey, which is a fight that I think even more heavily favors Shogun. Right, but even even so, even like e- I'm questioning if Shogun can even win a fight against a 500 UFC fighter. Yeah, it's it's a real question. And the reason I say that is because one, we never know what what Shogun is going to show up. Two is his chin, you know, he doesn't have, like, that epic chin anymore. His chin, well, I won't say it's shot, it's not as strong as it used to be. It's certainly cracked. And he's 30, and he's 37, he's not, like, he, he can't rely on, on youth anymore at this point. Um, so, I'm gonna pick Shogun, but let's just say some sort of upset knockout wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, again, I I won't be terribly shocked if Craig pulls this off, but I I'm picking Hua. All right, we have oh, this is a good fight actually. Charles Oliveira will be battling Jared Flash Gordon. Um, Gordon just broke a two fight losing streak, but even those two losses they were kind of barn burners with uh, Carlos Diego Fajaya and uh, Joaquim Silva. Does Oliveira still have the record for submission wins in UFC? Yes. Okay, so it's, yeah, at 13. Um, see, I like Oliveira, but, you know, he's had so many, he's just had so many issues with the UFC going back years, but he seems to be in a good place now. So well, he's won his last, what, five fights? Right. Hasn't missed weight for any of them. Hasn't missed weight in a while. I mean, in his current run at lightweight, he's seven and one. And, uh, the last, lost was to Paul Felder. He's finished his last five too. Um, yeah. Excuse me, six and one so in, maybe, at lightweight. He's thirty years old now. Maybe he's starting to mature. Yeah, God, he's been in the UFC for a long time. I mean, I'm not sure. I seem going on like a Rafael dos Anjos type run, but. Yeah. Where is is he even ranked right now? I don't think so. Like he could He is, oh sorry, he is number thirteen. Okay. I think that's I think that's pretty fair right now, lightweight being what it is. So who's yeah. he fighting? He's fighting Jared Gordon, who I mean on paper this looks like a winnable fight for Dubronx. Don't you think? It, it is. It, I mean I'm picking him to win. It is absolutely a winnable fight for him. Um Mm. See, uh, Gordon is two and two at lightweight. Wins over Hawkrin Diaz and Dan Murray. I'm picking. Yeah, I'm picking Oliveira. We'll uh, if Oliveira wins, for the love of all that's holy, give him a ranked opponent. I agree. Uh, you know, give him Gregor Gillespie. I want. I kind of. I want to see how that would play out. I. I would also. I would not mind that fight. And I think. I think if Oliveira were to win here, he would very much deserve a bigger fight. Um, but, I mean, I feel like if, if Oliveira can win this, like, now's the time for him to kind of make a big run of it. If he's going to make a run, he he is rapidly running out of time to... What about him playing Barboza? around with? That fight would be interesting. Him and Barboza would be interesting. Or Iaquinta. 
Yeah, uh, again, put him against anybody in that top group, and I'm interested in the fights. And... Yeah. yeah, I think if he wins here, he's due for a fight in the top ten, very much so. All right, uh, next up, I do not understand this car, this fight's placement on the card, uh, but Antonio Arroyo will fight Andre Muniz. Is it a Brazil thing, maybe? I think so. Uh, I know nothing of either guy. I believe they're both making their UFC debuts, excuse me. Let's see. I, do, um, I, guess it's, I guess they wanted a little more Brazilian talent on the card. It seems a bit odd to me. Arroyo has won a couple of times on the Contender Series, but is making his debut here. While Muniz is... Well, same thing. Won twice on the Contender Series, making his debut. The only, I mean, the only reason I don't have too much of an issue is it's an ESPN Plus card, and I don't know. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they wanted to have a couple, another set of middleweights, and they wanted a Contender Series guy on there. What I'm thinking. Could be. All right. Um, next up, Marcus Perez will fight Wellington Terman. I believe Terman stepping in on short notice. Yeah, this was supposed to be Marcus Perez and Jack Marshman. Oh, too bad. That could have been a decent fight. It would have been a little bit... Uh, Marcus Perez would engage the brawl that Jack Marshman always claims he wants. Uh, Perez has been a little bit up and down in the UFC. He's 2-2 uh, two and two in the UFC, I think. Yeah. Um, But this seems like a will, uh, winnable fight for him. And Terman is... Uh, he lost his UFC debut to Carl Robertson. Yeah, I'll go with Perez here. But this seems more like a fight that's just kind of designed to be fan-friendly as opposed to anything else. Um, all right, as for the rest of this card. Um, oh, this is a good fight. Sergio Marais and James Krause. Uh, surprisingly good fight. Uh, Marais, unfortunately, on a bit of a losing streak with losses to Anthony Rocco Martin and Warley Alves. While Krause... He's been out for a while, hasn't he? Yeah, it's been o- over a year. Jeez. But he is on a five-fight winning streak. Uh, I'm going to lean towards Kraus, but again, that's a good fight. Um, Ricardo Hamos will fight Luis Eduardo Garagori. Uh, Garagori is Uruguayan. I have to confirm this now. Yes, Uruguayan. Ha. Um, he had a successful UFC debut against... Umberto Bondanai, who should not be in the UFC. Um, I'm going with Hamos here. He's a much more proven UFC caliber fighter. He's only lost once in the promotion. That was to Saeed Nurmagomedov. Yeah, uh, Hamos. Uh, Francisco Trinaldo and Bobby Green is going to fly under a lot of radars, but that's a good fight. Let me see. Trinaldo, been trading wins and losses recently, coming off of the loss to Alexander Hernandez, whereas Bobby Green, uh, on a pretty epic skit, actually. (laughs) I'm going to go with Trinaldo there, but age is rapidly catching up with old Masaranduba. Worley Alves will fight Randy Brown. Winnable fight for Alves, I think. Well, I mean, Randy Brown's not bad, but he's he came into the UFC and was kind of supposed to be a a big deal. And, well, he's not. 
Um, Douglas Silva de Andrade will fight Henan Barrow. Wow, that fight is buried on this card. Billy Alves is the last guy who beat Colby Covington. He's the only guy to beat Colby Covington. <laughs> he caught him in a guillotine choke, if memory serves, very early in the first round. Um, Douglas Silva de Andrade coming off of the loss to Peter Jan. But is a really tough out, and Hannon Barrow, you know, former champion, unfortunately on a four-fight losing streak. I hope Hannon Barrow saved what money he made during this title war, which I don't know how good it was, but I hope he saved Barrow has also missed weight for his last two fights. Uh, one of those really badly, and Luke Sanders knocked him out in the last fight. Um I have Deandrage here, actually. Um, this is Burrow moving up to featherweight. Moving back to featherweight? He's fought in the like This is Burrow's last, last shot. Like, if he loses here, he should probably be cut. And I'm not saying, yeah. that, I'm not saying that to be cruel. I'm saying that, look, at look, he's, he's lost four in a row. He is one and six in his last seven. That one win is over Felipe Nover, and he's missed weight in his last two fights. So if he loses here, that's 0-5. And I feel like the UFC, I think, I believe in the past, the UFC has let go of much better guys for for less. Um, Like, do you remember Paul Sass? I do. Like, he lost like one or two fights and they let him go. Yeah. And I thought, I mean, I mean they, look, they cut, uh, who's that Danish fellow who uses the cross guard. Uh, they cut Mads Burnell, who was they, a really I, good fighter. They, maybe weren't, they weren't elite world beaters, but they, I think had a lot of upside to keep on the roster. And. Morale has just not been cutting it, man. I'm just saying that's just the reality. Uh, let's see. Next up, Ariana Lipsky will fight Veronica Macedo. Boy, they are really trying to turn... They're still trying to make Lipsky a thing. Uh, she's 0-2 in the UFC. Uh, Macedo... Uh, just got her first win in the UFC, actually. Jeez. Okay, cut the loser of this, please. Uh, ugh. I'm going with Macedo, but eh, who knows. And then kicking everything off, Vanessa Mello will fight Tracy Cortez. Uh, Mello is coming off of a loss to Irene Aldana. Not that long ago, actually. Yeah, Aldana tuned her up, man. <laughs> and Cortez uh, making her UFC debut, but on a six-fight winning streak. I'm going to go with Cortez, actually. Mello did not really impress me in that uh, Aldana fight. Uh, all right, Jeff, again, there's a few fights that are going to fly under some radars there that might be pretty decent. What do you want to touch on? Uh, Ronaldo Bobby Green, I think he'd at least be a fun fight, even though, man, there was a point where I, I was real excited about Bobby Green. And he seemed like he was... He seemed far from, you know, the hood-style kid from a, the Affliction event. Remember those days? I do. Like, he was really growing and then just had some setbacks. Yeah, that... He had that... Didn't he have, like, an injury around the same time his... He wound up taking custody of his sister's kid, something yeah, like that? And, and then, you know, he, he, uh, 
his brother uh, his brother was was murdered, right? Something like that, yeah. It, I, I'm sorry if I'm misremembering that, but it's been like he's had some things in his personal life that it, you know, I do not fault I do not fault him for at all. But uh, and Trinaldo is not considering the man is he's 41 now and he's been able to ha- he's been able to hang around in the UFC. That in itself, I think, is pretty impressive. Um, at one point, let's see, he went on, I think a seven fight winning streak at lightweight, right? Something along those lines. He's coming off a loss here, but I mean, to be 23 and seven and to have that many wins in the UFC at, at this, at, at an advanced age like this and still kind of be com- fairly competitive, I think is pretty impressive. Um, I think he might win here too. Yeah, it's a winnable fight for him. Um, I mean, you know, I'm kind of interested in the Dan Andrade Burrell fight just because, you know, Burrell used to be a Burrell used to be a phenom. It's just so bizarre to see him take such a dramatic downturn in his career. I wonder what happened. Um, he never addressed the tendencies that TJ Dillashaw exploited. I think is the big problem he's he ran into. Did, did Dillashaw expose him, do you think? Elements of his game, yes. It, it's less about him not being good and more about, hey, here's habits. Here's ways to capitalize on them. And it turns out that the ones he, that what TJ Dillashaw did to capitalize on those habits were replicable at scale by people of less ability. What I remember about Burrell before the Dillashaw fight, guys couldn't even take him down. And guys had trouble, like, dealing with his defense and striking. Um, like, Faber couldn't even deal with him. So, yeah. So, th- that's about it, though. All right. Uh, Saturday, I will have coverage of that in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania. So, feel free to stop by, say hello. Uh, always appreciated. All right. As for the news... Uh, you know what? Let's just start with this. Uh, Nate Diaz announced he is taking a hiatus from the fight game. Uh, he's Dead? still not as bad as his brother Nick, who would retire after every fight. What did he say? He said, That's what he said on Instagram. Uh, I imagine Nate Diaz will be back at some point in the nearish future, but yeah, I mean, I mean, look, he had two fights this year. They were both tough fights. If you want to take some time off and do other stuff, Hey, Godspeed and party on, man. You don't owe me anything. I mean, look, they could, they could book that, that third fight with Connor and people would, would turn in for for it. People would tune in for it. Wouldn't, would they not? Oh yeah, they would. So, just because just cause it's the trilogy and the rubber match now, and it's Conor McGregor, and it's Nate Diaz, it would get a lot of attention. And Nate Diaz's cult of sycophants are still throwing a fit about what happened with the doctor and sending death threats to that poor doctor who was doing his job. And I don't really think he messed up by stopping the fight. I'm sorry. Me neither. Um, 
at, like at first it didn't look I get the knee jerk reaction and all and I get people don't really use common sense when they're on social media and actually take a minute to take a breath and think about things but still you know don't threaten people on social media come on here like what is what are we even doing here um I don't think Diaz is retired. I just think he's doing doing the Nate Diaz thing. When, if and when an opportunity comes up for him to take a big money fight again, he'll do it. It's that yeah, simple. I agree. But Diaz is, you know, he's not a world champion, and he, and he never will be. And, you know, as long as he's getting paid big money, I don't think it ma- really matters to him. Probably not. I mean, you know, would you rather be rich or world champion? Most people would say money would take the money. I mean, I mean, Darren Till. Some fighters care more. Some fighters care more about the about the accolades. Yeah, and then they wind up like Darren Till. I mean, I, Habib, for instance, cares more about the accolades. Habib does. So. And it's one of your favorite fighters. Well, Khabib's monolithic mania about that is also bolstered by an incredible sense of restraint and focus that's afforded to him by a strict religious uh, belief sure. system. Sure. Um, I mean, look. Fighter, a lot of fighters are a different breed, and they're just wired differently anyway. So, I that's think, true. And and you know, if you become champion, usually the money and the the money comes with the accolades. So that is the hope. One would one would assume. Um, so I don't think Diaz is gone for good, but he's gone. Look, he didn't fight for three years, and and he fought twice this year. So. That that in itself was fairly monumental. Yeah, and, and again, and neither of those were easy fights. Right. Um, Masvidal is arguably one of the best in the division right now, and could be fighting for the title next. All things considered, so was a tough fight. I think significantly tougher than Anthony Pettis. Oh yeah. I by think, a wide margin. I think McGregor, just being in the place he is, will want the trilogy fight at some point, but who knows? McGregor might McGregor might be stupid enough to pick a fight with Jorge Masvidal. Who knows? That would uh, certainly be an amusing fight to watch play out. I mean, I think I would be I would find it very amusing. Uh, all right, what else do we have? Oh, um I suppose this counts. Former middleweight champion Robert Whitaker has said he wants to fight Darren Till in London, uh, one of the upcoming cards. I don't like that fight. I'm okay with it. I mean, it's a it's a big step for Till again because Whitaker is, I still think, probably the second best middleweight in the division. But you know, I want to give Robert Whitaker credit for not asking for an immediate rematch because. So many champions do. Till is just... I don't know. He just seems to have a lot of mental blocks right now. 
Yeah, there's a bit of that. It's a winnable fight for Whitaker. It's a fairly high-profile kind of scenario as well. I mean, it would probably draw well. Till is a pretty... Till's apparently a fairly large star in the UK. He, he is. I think I think the fight with with uh, Thompson did very well in the UK, right? Had a very, very boisterous crowd, if nothing else. Um, I don't know. I mean, again, I, I'm okay. If that's the direction everyone wants to go, I'm okay with that fight. I, I favor I Whitaker. Till in a different fight first, but... Till is such in a weird place, I could see him losing, like, those gimme fights. Yeah, I mean, his also kind of stated mentality at the moment seems to be, if I'm not, I'm going to fight the best, because if I'm not fighting the best, what am I doing? But, and I can appreciate that, even though I think it is largely proven to be foolhardy over history. It's a bizarre sport where, like, it's not scripted, it's not WWE, so you can't, you can't, even those gimme fight scenarios we've seen have been turned on their heads. It's That's not happened often, but it has happened. Yeah, it has. So, again, if that's what everyone wants, I think it would be a fine fight. I mean, uh, those, those two would get after it. Well, hopefully Whitaker will stay healthy now. That would be nice as well. <laughs> Apparently, apparent, and apparently, he was very healthy going into the Adesanya fight and didn't have any issues. Uh, again, I just you know, hopefully he stays healthy. I I don't hate the idea of a rematch between him and Adesanya down the road if, if assuming both men continue to win. Uh, John Jones said on Twitter that he wants a fight with Dominic Reyes, and I can't be opposed to that. I think I think, Cor- I think Corey Anderson's not like an idiot, but I think he's not. I don't think he knows how to play the game. Part of that's true. Part of it's also just the UFC is higher on Reyes than Anderson. Reyes has the better wins. He does. And And he's won won more fights at light heavyweight than at least recently. Let's see. Anderson's been in the UFC for a while. I think Anderson might have more overall wins. Overall, but... Reyes is undefeated in MMA and the UFC, and he's one, two, three. He's six and zero oh in the UFC. So Anderson has only won his last four, and he's only just now like getting his first knockout in years over an impressive opponent. Um, No, I'm down for that fight. It is Reyes is the next deserving contender. Line him up, give him a shot. I think it's Reyes right now. Yeah, I agree. Uh, now, now that Walker Walker's kind of not been derailed, but he's sort of been set back at this point. Yeah, I want it to be Reyes. I look forward to the fight, such as I can look forward and, to those types of fights at this point. Not been having his most impressive performances as of late, but is at least he's well. At least he's willing to fight these guys now. Yeah, he seems to have kind of come around on the I'm just going to fight the next guy up bit of mentality. And, you know, again, he is there a tremendous amount of prestige he gains by beating guys like, you know, Anthony Smith and uh, Tiago Santos? 
No, not really. Yeah, but I mean, they're like, the next guys up. Adesanya and Hawani are already like putting it out there that they want Jones versus Adesanya. Someone I am ma- if, if 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 the stars align that way, maybe. But Adesanya just won the belt. There are guys he has to fight too. Yeah, Adesanya seems interested in fighting Yoel Romero, and God bless him for that, because <laughs> I don't know too many people that are. So he's not uh, gonna be the guy who just beat Yoel Romero. Costa's injured or getting surgery yeah. on his biceps. So, so Costa's out of the picture at the moment. That's what precipitated the discussion about uh, Romero as the next title challenger was Costa's in- was his unavailability. Uh, I mean, look, if Adesanya and Jones at this time next year are both in the same place, make the fight. I think but, you, would, you would love Romero versus Adesanya. Romero and Adesanya? I am very interested in that fight, yes. Um, I'm interested in Adesanya and Costa. I'm interested in Adesanya and Whitaker having a rematch at some point. I'd be curious. Do you think Cannonier at, at this point could be fighting for the title eventually? Do you think he can maintain this momentum? I mean, if he wins one more fight, I think he's the next guy up. Especially um, if it's another big fight. I like the Cannonier Adesanya fight a lot. That's a very good fight. I mean, I think uh, Adesanya came out publicly this last week and said that Cannoneer is probably the most dangerous guy in the division uh, for a variety of reasons, not I mean, the least of which is how much he's flying under the radar. I mean, Can- I mean, Cannoneer's, he's somebody, he's somebody right now. He's a guy to beat right now. And he's absolutely in the equation. It definitely, it definitely took us by surprise, but you have to take, you have to take him seriously after beating Jack Hermanson the way he did. I mean, he's fought three talented middleweights, and he's finished them all inside of, like, seven minutes. So. He's definitely someone we have to consider. Let's see. And then, and then, middleweight's getting a little depleted right now, though, Robert. There's a lot of guys, there's a, there were a lot of older guys who'd been cutting a lot of weight who are now moving up. Right. Could Jacare's out of the picture there right now? Weidman, Rockhold. I don't want to say Gaslam's a lost cause, but like he's he's gatekeeper. He's a high level gatekeeper, right? Well, he's out of the picture at the moment, given the way the last couple of fights have played out. Brunson to me is a, just a perennial top ten dude. Maybe yeah, he exists. He's there. He's 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 a perennial top ten gatekeeper. Shabazian could be could could amount to something at some point. Lloyd Def- Helton. Uriah Hall is in the top 15 at number 12. Um, in, all, in all fairness, he probably should be somewhere in that position given where his career is and where the division is right now. Yeah, yeah. A, a division that's getting a little depleted. Yeah, it's... I'm curious to see how they're going to you know, kind of restock it over the next little bit. Who's going to rise to the occasion? Because you, know, you mentioned Shabazian, and boy, howdy, is that guy on a run. Um, uh, Shabazian looks like a good prospect, so it looks like we need the division to kind of reset itself a little bit lower down. See, let's see what happens. Adesanya had a pretty meteoric rise that is very absolutely insane. 
I mean, I can see why people will talk about him with Jones because they both had both him and Jones had very meteoric rises. Um, how how long did it take for Jones to fight for, to become champion? Like inside uh, three years, why? right? I forget exactly. Debuted in the UFC in early 2009, won the title. So it took less than three years for him to win the belt. I think Adesanya took him even less time, correct? Yeah, he debuted in... um, Did he debut in 18? I believe so. The thing is, Jones was basically a rookie in MMA when he started his career. Uh, excuse me, his UFC career, I'm sorry. Yeah, Adesanya uh, debuted for the UFC last year in February. Yeah, that's crazy. To go from your UFC debut to champ inside of two, inside of two years. Against the guys he did it against, too. Like, that's nuts. I mean, his last two... Fu- I, mean, I mean, his last two opponents, those are two of the tougher you know, touches you can get at middleweight right now. Oh, yeah. So, I I wouldn't mind that so much. I Uh, think if, again, I think if both Jones and Adesanya are still in this position 12 months from now, I think you should make that fight. But I think middleweight needs to get the gears turning a little bit more. And, you know, ditto light heavyweight. Uh Again, let's get the machine rolling again a little bit before we potentially disrupt it with a super fight between those two. So however much this means to anyone in the MMA fandom, Combat Americas has a new TV deal. Axis TV and Fight Network will be the exclusive English language broadcast partners in North America for Combate Americas. So Axis TV will do the English language broadcast for Combate in the U.S., and Fight Network will be the broadcaster in Canada. So this is a bit interesting to me because after Anthem Media uh, acquired the controlling interest in Axis TV, they basically shoved off Axis TV fights in LFA, and now they have this new deal with Combate Americas. So I'm a little bit surprised by that, but... Uh a little as well for me. I think there might there might have been some kind of uh, issue where in the contracts where Axis was helping with the production costs for LFA that they will not be subsidizing for Combate kind maybe, of thing. Maybe maybe that's it. Um, in related news, LFA now has a streaming partner in UFC Fight Pass, so Good LFA for them. they were able to bounce back with with uh, UFC Fight Pass as their new broadcast. Deal. And look, access, who even watches Access TV anyway? They're not a high-rated network, right? And they're not in that many homes. Compared to, uh, an ESPN. I, will, I will defer to your knowledge of the household availability of, on that issue. Like, I think Access TV was put in more, but I think they're not in they're not in as many as as a major cable as a major cable. Like, let's see. Like, I remember for a long time, I didn't even get Access TV or, or HDNet. Um, on I, don't, I think I still don't, actually, on my current deal. 
see, I'm just trying. I'm trying to look up how many. Well, again, I think some of this might just be that they don't have. There's a lot of like production elements that they won't be maybe on the hook for because Combate has been running for a while and have a very very like okay. smooth production. If all their if the only money that Access TV is shelling out for is uh, another set of commentary, then I can see why they made that move. So they're gonna have Combate is gonna have the pay per view in December with Tito Ortiz. Alberto El Patron. What that, a colossal clown fiesta that is. And then um, the broadcast deal will start, I guess, early next year. And the goal is to broadcast a minimum 35 Combate events in 2020. So we'll see. I mean, look, Combate is a perfectly fine promotion. They do some pretty good work. I'm baffled by Ortiz and... Del Rio or uh, Dos Caras Jr., whatever his actual name is. So, I mean, on the plus side, Dos Caras Jr. has actually fought in mixed martial arts in the past. I, I'm all for getting more MMA on TV. I'm I'm in favor of that. So I don't have a problem with that. I'm just I I was just a little surprised because it seemed like Axis TV was moving that content off. And, and you're right, there could have been sort of different issues there in terms of in terms of production costs. So who knows? I mean, if they, given how quickly they moved on to something like this, I, I almost imagine it has to be something like that because, I mean, LFA is a perfect, again, is a really good promotion. I'm glad they're going to be on Fight Pass. Uh, I'm had. I'm glad they're sticking around. So, I I just never even heard ratings or numbers for Access TV or or Bypass for that matter, other than than the vague ones we've gotten out there from Dana White every once in a while. Um, yeah, the UFC doesn't care about Fight Pass. I, They've made that abundantly clear. I can find how many million homes Access TV is in. And it's an open question, I suppose. Uh, I mean, look, if they're if they're in a million, then I am. Uh, I mean, look, isn't there a big thing right now? Like we have Impact, which no one's watching. Yeah, yeah they're not a highly viewed network. They just aren't. Um, let's see, ESPN million homes. I'm just trying to. ESPN ESPN has got to be close to I would think a hundred million. One would assume. But okay. As of September uh, 2018 ESPN was in 86 million television households. So Sounds I, about right. All right. I, I, I would have thought it would have been more, but... Well, it, that was over a year ago. That, well, and, and the TV situation in the U.S. is so weird right now. Yeah, that's... Watching the streaming bubble burst over the next two years or so is going to be interesting. Between, But then you, you have... Fi, now you have fiber optic TV. You have... You still have satellite. You still have cable. And then you have 
and then and now you can now you have digital internet TV. It's so weird. Like you can get you can get like cable channels on through your Wi-Fi connection now. Like uh, yep. basically through Amazon. And then PlayStation View, I think I hear PlayStation View is shutting down. Is that accurate? I don't know. Okay. All right. So that's kind of the kind of went on a bit of a tangent there, but that's going on with Combate and um, Access TV. So there you go. Uh, I think that's it. That's all I've got. Let me refresh Twitter very quickly because I am absolutely not going to give any time of day to cele- uh, pseudo-celebrity boxing. Good for you. I agree. Didn't even watch the fight. I like I think I saw some like gifs on Twitter or whatnot. Based on the gifs I saw, that fight looks like if you took two eighth grade jocks in a drama class and showed them Fury versus Wilder and said recreate it. That's kind of what it would look like. It was comical. Agamedov wants an apology from NSAC before fighting in Las Vegas. Eyes New York as alternative. Uh, they are never going to apologize because they are a ridiculous bureaucracy. And if he never, cho- if he chooses to never fight in Nevada again, go ahead, man. You're under uh, no contractual uh, obligation to fight in that particular MMA, state. MMA Fighting City said this during a Q&A in uh, Moscow. Um, so I guess he's still he's still unhappy. He was punished over the post-fight brawl with McGregor. I mean, I wouldn't be jumping to get into New York given that they fined Corey Anderson like $1,000. Was it 1000 or 10000 did. I believe we did talk about this last week. So there was a development in the, the Walt Harris kidnapping case. There was a, there was a, a suspect has been arrested. Uh, Walt Harris's daughter, Anaya Blanchard, uh, excuse me, the stepdaughter of Walt Harris, is uh, still missing. Um, so again, if you know anything related to the case and the missing Anaya Blanchard, uh, anything related to the suspect, Ibrahim Yazid, please contact uh, the necessary authorities. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I hope that young girl is returned safely. Ditto. I, I think that will do it for us this evening. So on that note, what would you like to plug, Jeff? Uh, next reviews will be Ford versus Ferrari and likely the Charlie's Angels reboot. I weep all for you. The, all the things to reboot. They're rebooting this one and uh, the report, which uh, I think is getting some interesting awards buzz, probably for Adam Driver. For best actor, so those will be the upcoming movie reviews. Uh, check out my Blu-ray re- if you like anime. Check out my Blu-ray review of the limited edition Blu-ray set for Goblin Slayer, one of my favorite shows of the last uh, couple of years. And yeah, uh, oh, some new interviews. Uh, new uh, on the uh, like Robert mentioned earlier. New on the uh, the Apple Podcast for the Four One One Wrestling Interview Podcast. Uh, Jungle Girl, uh, who, see, did she win on Saturday night? I'm going to check. Did she even wrestle on Saturday night? Yeah, she wrestled on WoW against Tessa Blanchard. Then she probably didn't win. Tessa's kind of like God in WoW. 
Yeah, okay, yeah. Tessa Blanchard won, but uh, she fought Tessa Blanchard last night for the world title, unsuccessfully. Enjoyed talking to Jungle Girl. She's a 20-year veteran. So if you have time, please go to the 411 Wrestling Interviews podcast channel. You can also listen to it on uh, Spotify or the 411 Mania YouTube channel. I would appreciate it if you gave it a look. Thank you. Uh, as for myself, this Tuesday, Mark Radulich and I, and I can't remember if I can't remember if we have a third person sitting in on this one or not. Uh, we'll be reviewing Doctor Sleep, which uh, unfortunately seems to not have a tremendous amount of traction at the box office right now. I haven't seen it myself yet, but I will shortly. Last week, Mark and I got together to talk about Terminator: Dark Fate, which exists. Uh, so you can get our full review and mark finally found a movie review so unbelievably obtuse i swore on air it's something i try really hard not to do but he found one and got me to do it so you can listen to the two of us talk about that and i think i have anything else this coming week Nope, just coverage on Saturday in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania, so thank you all again. However you found us, be that the 411 Mania website. Again, we're on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play. I think we're on iHeartRadio, actually, on their podcast setup. Uh, if you have some other podcasting app that you're using, I don't know what you're using, but thank you. Please subscribe to stay up to date. Please interact with the product a little bit. Just give us a review if you have a star potential. Give us a star. Only one. I'm only asking for one, guys. If you think it's worth more, give us more. If you think it's worth less, you can't go less than one. So please at least give us the one. Leave a comment or a review if that's kind of your bag. I'm happy to accept constructive criticism. And we'll be back here next week to review the event in Sao Paulo. And I... Uh, no, that's it for next week, uh, because with the holiday season coming up, we'll just have so we'll just have news and that review. And then the next card will be UFC on ESPN, the uh, Overeem and Rosenstrike card on December 7th. So next week will be the 17th. Uh, we sh will be off the 24th then and then come back on the 1st of December. Uh Okay, good to know. Actually, you know, that might actually line up quite well with something I might try doing on the 24th then. In fact, yeah, that actually gives me a really nice timetable to try something a little bit different here on this pro on you know, under the auspices of this program. We'll see how it goes. Uh, okay. Thank you, everyone, again. See you next week. Until then, stay safe out there, and please continue to be well, be safe, and behave.